the fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views is from Midstream. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the midweek edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for all the Carolina Panther talk that you could possibly want, and then a little bit extra on top because we're just nice guys like that. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, weekdays 9 to noon Eastern Standard Time, emanating from Greenville, South Carolina, the home, the heart, I should say of Carolina Panthers country. The home is just an hour and 45 north, uh, north of us, right up there in Charlotte. But we are posted right here in the heart of Carolina. Is glad to have you guys along for the ride with us. Us, because joining me as he does every single episode of the Views from Mint Street podcast, available where major podcasts are found, is my co-host, my partner in crime, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel. And of course, the midweek edition of the pod is the pod where we take a look backwards. It is the pod where we look at transactions, we look at injuries, and of course we have our midweek discussions regarding all things going on in the world of the silver and blue. And wouldn't you know it, Zoe, we have been busy for exactly one week now since we got a new head coach, this one with the interim tag out front of it, and now a record of 0-1 as the HC has Steve Wilkes, though I don't think anybody expected us, including probably him, if we're being honest with each other, to win that game this past weekend. But a 14-point defeat at the hand of the LA Rams. Once again, our offense fails to find the end zone while our defense does and carries the load. The game looked respectable. In fact, taking a lead for a good chunk headed towards halftime before the Rams broke that thing open in the second half and just out schemed and out adjusted us. And that is where I would like to bat lead off Lonzo. We brought this stat up on the Rob Brown show earlier this week, which you can also stream for free all the time on the Odyssey app. The Rob Brown show airs nine to noon live, and then you can grab the podcast version that is called cross promotion. We're very good. We're professionals around here. Uh, The stat we brought up Lonzo, is that before he left the game, P.J. Walker threw 16 passes. Of those 16 passes, six of them went beyond the line of scrimmage. Of those six, one was completed, and that one was completed for a one-yard game. So, P.J. Walker, if you do not count all of the yards that were gained by players yak, Behind the line of scrimmage, you only count passes that cross the line of scrimmage. P.J. Walker went one of six for a yard. That is um, uh, bad. That's bad. That's bad. And, you know, it's not just that it's bad for P.J. Walker, who, yes, obviously it is, Lonzo. But more importantly, it tells me that we either brought no offensive scheme into this game or uh, brought a very bad offensive scheme into this game because once the Rams made the initial adjustments after the opening drive, which went really well, after they made their adjustments, we were once again just inept. And yes, part of that goes to having your third and then four-string quarterbacks having to start for you. 
I'm not going to sit here and say that going to three on the depth chart at QB is somehow a good thing. But at the same time, we made no adjustments and we never trusted the guys wearing the hats to go out there and play football and make something happen. And I think at the end of the day, Zoe, that is a microcosm. That is a, a grand illustration of the overall problems that we have had both offensively and as a football team so far this year. All right, so many things to address here. First of all, I think part of the reason why Robbie Anderson reacted the way he did is probably that, the fact that no receivers were really catching the ball uh, past the five-yard line. And, uh, you know, that whole blow-up with him is something that you would hear happening in training camp, which, by the way, I just want to mention – Rob talked about us being the heart in the heart of Panther country. We are because Panther camp is at Wofford college in Spartanburg, which is within our, uh, uh, our, uh, where our listeners are for, for our show. So, I mean, we're right here where training camp would be. I just watched a press conference with Wilkes and after they got done trying to get answers about Robbie Anderson, which they weren't able to do. I tell you what, He's, you can tell that he is not a first-time head coach because he deflects really, really well. Um, and when your team's not good, you got to learn how to deflect uh, because you may say too much. So the, he was asked about if in the next game versus Tampa Bay, if they're going to open it up and let the quarterbacks throw uh, you know, a little bit further, look downfield and things like that. And uh, he mentioned – that the rotation with the running backs worked really, really well. Something we've been calling for for a while, and it did. But you got to mix in some passes and things like that. And he did the old, well, you know, the situations weren't there to where it was a possibility and things like that. Really what it comes down to is they didn't have the confidence in the quarterback to throw down the field. I mean, we all know that. He can't say that because he's on the third-string quarterback, and you don't want that guy to, you know, decide, hey, I'm out, which we don't know if he's going to clear uh, protocols yet anyway um i think he's nearly uh at the end of the protocols but his necks hurt pretty bad uh so we may end up starting this next game with jacob eason who actually will throw the ball down the field so so that might be taken care of right there you would assume that's if they let him lonzo the game plan listen i can't believe that at no point did pj walker go yeah, no, I'm not throwing the ball down. I think we just designed everything to be at the line of scrimmage now, and that, as you have been saying for four weeks now, is a Ben McAdoo problem. Well, as far as that goes, the running game worked. It really did. That rotation was working, especially in that first series. The problem is, if you don't sprinkle in some passes down the field or in the middle of the field or, you know, like seven or eight yards down the field, then the defense goes, they have no confidence in that quarterback. They're not going to run the run the ball. We're just going to crowd the box. And that's what they did. And even with them doing that, the Panthers were still competitive. If you, if you could sprinkle in some pass, I just got to believe when, when the box is full, there's some receivers open. And if you're not looking down the field, either you have no confidence in yourself or the play calling, you were told, do not throw the ball downfield. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, I absolutely believe – that the scheme from McAdoo coming into this game was to try to limit P.J. Walker. And like you said, it is a 
we don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. And I understand that, man. I really do. If P.J. Walker was somebody you'd trust to throw down the field, uh, he probably would have gotten more P.T. But the reality is, even when Baker was struggling, they didn't trust P.J. Walker to come in and give him a shot. There's a lot of other teams that Baker would have struggled the way he struggled on other teams, and they would have gone to the backup quarterback at least to kind of challenge Baker Mayfield to get a little bit, a little bit better. And we never did, which tells me that we never trusted P.J. Walker to go down the field. And if that's if that's the case, man, it's, it's an evaluation process from the beginning as to, okay, then why did we not go get another quarterback? Now, I am willing to accept the answer and blame this on Matt Rule that P.J. Walker was a Matt Rule guy. And we know that Matt Rule had an affinity for his guys. We know that Matt Rule liked to give chances to guys that he coached in college, and P.J. Walker was on that list. So, you know, By the I, way, I, not, I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. I mean, if the players are good, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a little bit of loyalty, giving, giving some chances to uh, some some guys that may not be getting a, a good shake as far as you're concerned on other teams. It just turns out that, None of them are really that good. Good. So. Yeah, exactly right. Like I said, this is there's going to be a handful of things. And this is this is uh, part of the acceptance of a 40 million dollar severance check. Matthew, there are going to be some things. There are going to be some issues with this franchise that we are just going to pin on Matt rule. This is this is a direct result of Matt rules failed tenure as a coach and PJ Walker being the backup quarterback is re it's reasonable to say is one of those things, right? Like if they had a backup quarterback that they trusted to come in and play the game the right way, then I suspect at some point in the last few weeks, they would have made the move, even if only for a few series to try to challenge Baker Mayfield to pick up his play a little bit. And we never did that. And I, I'm, by, I'm by, by the way, I'm that rule. By the way, they would have, if Sam Darnold stayed healthy, there's a good shot that Baker gets benched at some point and Sam Darnold's back in there. The fact that Sam Darnold got hurt so early, uh, I think that that limited what they could do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I agree. And, and, and by the way, as a brief aside, before that game on Sunday, Sammy D was seen out on the grass doing dropbacks, taking snaps, throwing passes, et cetera, et cetera, which was a likely indication that He's probably on his way back, but it was also interesting to me that Baker Mayfield was listed as doubtful all the way until Sunday morning, right? And, and we talked about this on the Friday edition of the pod. I did not believe Baker was going to play. Lonzo was holding out hope, and, and I got it why. He was listed as doubtful, but not out, at least not until right before the game on Sunday, which leads me to believe that Maybe Baker's injury isn't quite as bad as was uh, initially reported. Maybe he is, uh, you know, recovering from that inju injury more quickly than we'd like. Here's all I'm going to say. 
By the way, real, really, really quick, I, I, I hate to interrupt, but this was just addressed on the on the press conference, which I just watched. So they they asked him about that and asked Coach Wilkes about that, and it was a second MRI from another place that found the tear. It wasn't according to uh, according to the Panthers trainers. He was cleared from the first MRI. So at that point, he was cleared, and it was on him about how his pain tolerance was. And he mentioned again how tough Baker Mayfield is. And he said if you watched him out there, you would think that he wasn't he didn't have anything wrong with him to the degree that he did. So this was they got a second opinion and the second opinion found it. So until then, he was probably going to play. Yeah, and that's interesting. And and listen, there's a whole side shoot conversation about that, right, about the, the the doctors and about the training staff and about wanting to be able to trust them. And it's, you know, it's it's one thing to misdiagnose a sprain, another thing to miss a tear in a ligament somewhere because that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, but uh, if it's a slight tear, I mean, it right. might be, you know. And that's why it's an offshoot conversation that we can save for another day. At the end of the day, if Sam Darnold comes back, right, and Baker Mayfield's not available, uh, and by the way, I, I looked earlier, I was I was cruising Reddit uh, and there was a poll that went up on the Reddit thread uh, with just over 1.2 thousand votes cast. The question was, if both were healthy and available right now, who would you prefer to start Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold? The, the poll was young. There was like 1.2 thousand votes on it so far. But with just over 1.2 thousand votes on it, the answer was Sam Darnold by about a hundred votes, right? So a little bit less than a, a 10% difference between those two quarterbacks. But Panthers fans, and again, it's the internet. Don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it with the whole damn shaker of salt. But the internet Panther fans have said they would prefer Sam. Well, I got news for them. You might get your wish because Sam's probably coming back. In fact, I would even say at this point, definitely coming back before Baker Mayfield does. But the other angle to that conversation would be when Sam Darnold gets back or Baker Mayfield or whoever else comes back healthy first, Lonzo, whoever it is, I had better see the offense open up. I had better see them try to get down the field even with the loss of Robbie Anderson, which we'll address a little bit further coming up here in a minute, I had better see the offense try to make things happen because if they do not, and we're not taking shots down the field, I will go ahead and get to the point where I believe that we are playing for the tank. And if that's what we're doing, that's okay. But go ahead and let me know that so that I can accept it mentally and start getting excited for the 2023 NFL season. All right, so one of the questions that was asked of Coach Wilkes is when Baker comes back as he's a starter, and he said, just like with all positions on this team, it's an open competition. It's got to be. It's got to be, right? Like it, I, I, and, and I get it. If you're Steve Wilkes, and, and it's already been made known so far that Steve Wilkes has, and again, the firing of Phil Snow, I think, confirmed this, that Steve Wilkes has control. Now, the question mark is going to be, does Steve Wilkes handle that better than Matt Rule? Matt Rule had full personnel control, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of us, myself included, 
are not trying to bring the hammer down on uh, Scott Fitterer yet, on the GM yet, because I really do believe that Tepper told Fitz, whatever Matt Rule wants, go figure it out, right? Go make it happen. Go get it. I believe that's what happened with the quarterbacks. I believe that's what happened with P.J. Walker and Robbie Anderson and a handful of other guys that played for him at Baylor and Temple. I really believe that Matt Rule had full personnel control. And I get the impression David Tepper is doing the same thing for Steve Wilkes. But part of auditioning for this job is going to be, can you handle the personnel logistics as well as the person themselves when they show up in the building? That is going to be an interesting story to watch develop. 